setting up the recorder. Jeff King, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff King, one of our deacons, uh, is bringing the word today, and he and Mr. Uh, Marcus Lewis teach a Sunday school class. If you're not in one, uh, they would gladly have you, and their classroom's right out that door on the left, so it's easy to find, just in case you hadn't been there yet. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, uh, good morning. If you could turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and while you're turning there I'll give you a little introduction that uh, part of it was stolen already but I am Jeff King I'm married to Natanya I have two adult children uh, Jeremy and Emma Emma is Emma Mosley she's married to Andrew Mosley they're uh, here in the church and just this past August they made me a grandpa uh, I have Sadie Kate I am now I am now King Paul so, uh, lowercase uh, K. Yeah, lowercase K. Thank you. Also, I've, I've been a member of the church since 2000. I think the last time I talked, I said 2010. The time just flies by. But it was uh, since 2000 I've been a member. Uh, I do co-teach the Carolina Christian class with uh, Marcus Lewis. I'm also uh, on the security team. I get to sing in the choir and uh, work in Awana on the yellow team in truth and training and, and uh, yeah we'll talk about that later and, and, uh, and also I, I, I am a deacon. I am a retired medical services officer in the Army and uh, now I work for Joint Special Operations Command uh, writing after action reports which uh, if you could read them, they would be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, let's. <laughs> well, if, if I would allow you to read them. <laughs> okay, let's let's get in. I think everybody is there. First Peter, chapter four, verse one, and we're going through eleven. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices to do what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who were dead. That, the, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as a good steward of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him 
be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let, let's go, Lord, in prayer. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for this great group that showed up for these men and, and young men that have come to hear your word. Now I ask you, Holy Spirit, to be here and to use me as a vessel to speak the truth. And I just ask you, Father, just please help if there is one that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior here. Let today be the day that you draw them unto yourself and they place their belief in you. And for the, those that already, let this be a challenge to them that we live a life that glorifies you in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, the path I'm going to take today is first I'm going to provide a quick background on the first Peter uh, and when it was written in, in the focus. Two sections uh, of this pericope I have, I have identified. And first is having the mindset to glorify God and how to respond to the negative uh, times that, that people respond to you living for Christ. And then in the later verses, he actually gives us some practical uh, application that we can use. I'm also going to put in some practical applications throughout. Then we'll summarize and conclude, and you'll get to go for the rest of your Saturday. So starting off, 1 Peter, again, was written by Peter, the same guy who walked on the water with Jesus, who denied Jesus, and then in Acts 2, gave this great sermon. St. Peter is writing about the time of Nero, about in the time of A.D. 62 to 65. Notice that's before the destruction of the temple. And, uh, and he's writing to people in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Where is that? That's in modern-day Turkey, basically in the northern part of modern-day Turkey. So it spread out in the Roman kingdom prior to the massive purge of Christians at that time. So probably in these areas, the Christians that were living there have the same interactions with people around them that we might today. Yes, there are pockets of, of attacks and everything like that, but for them, Christian, uh, for the other people, Christianity is just another religion. And so I think this applies to us today. So let's get into it. Verses 1 and 2. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. As I read through this, the word suffer just sprung out at me. What does suffer mean? Well, that's the word hosko in Greek. And it does mean uh, what, you, what we think about of a bad plight, going through trials, scoffings from others, basically not having a good day. But if we look just about six verses before that, in verse 18, of chapter 3, Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, and in some versions that suffered is uh, 
Christ died, also died once for sins, righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So I'm taking this as we have to, as it says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, he died in the flesh, we need to have the same thinking of us dying to the flesh. And that must be our mindset and understand while we're going through that the true disciples of Christ are going to suffer for Jesus. Jesus died for our sins and we can live a life that is glorifying to him. Paul also talked about this. If we go to Romans 6, that whole chapter is something good to read to uh, talk about sin and our mindset towards sin. And in verses 1 through 3, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Then we move forward. If you go to verse 11, it says, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And that goes exactly with this verse about considering yourself in the same way as dead to sin. So how do we do that? Well, in all things, we can't do it on our own. We need to pray first. Amen. And pray that God will give us the strength and to keep us from these passions. And what are some of these passions? Uh, some might be anger, anxiety, selfishness, wasting time on video games or social media, laziness. And we need to start each day praying to God to help us to get past those and to conquer those. And then we need to prepare each day and to so that we don't do that some of the other things as we're going through these in verse 3 for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality passions drunkenness orgies drinking parties and lawless idolatries those are not the things that Christians do that believers do that should not be the lifestyle of a believer. That is in our past. That might be what we used to do. But now, currently, we do not do that. Our lives should not be characterized as doing any of these. What about you? Has your life changed since that time? Are you different from what you were before? Something that Pastor Mike said uh, last Sunday night, how are you doing in not loving these things? Can you see progression in your life? Well, what are some of those things? In the past, what about drinking? Do you still have a, a problem of over drinking? 
Do you still have a problem of that? How can I work on that? Again, start off with prayer. Ask for strength to remove that desire from you. And then do your part. If it's in your house, remove it. If people ask you to go to the bar, don't go. Take away those triggers to make yourself not do those things. Pornography. Ask for strength for that. Again, remove it. If it's in your house, on your phone, on your computer, get it away. And stay away. Find an accountability partner for all things. And I'll tell you on pornography, if a man is currently struggling with porn pornography, I used to. And you can get with me and I will help you on that. I'll give you what happened with me and I can become your accountability partner. Amen. So what happens when we do make this new life? Well, it talks about it in verse 4 and 5. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. Amen. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Mm. So, does your life show that? And who are the they? The they are your family, people you work with, friends, <laughs> social media. All of them should see the change in your life. Hey, you used to go out drinking with us. Why don't you go drinking with us anymore? Why don't you join in on that dirty joke? Why do you walk away when you do that? Why don't you curse anymore? Why do you, why do you say, oh man, or something like that instead of cursing? Why don't you cheat on your taxes? They may call you preacher, too good for the rest of us, goody two-shoes, a mama's boy. <coughs> and we should understand that, prepare for that, and how should we react? Well, again, Paul gives us a good uh, idea. If we go to Romans 12, go to verse 7. Excuse me, 17. I'm sorry about that. In verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you are kind to the people who are mocking you, if you don't respond in the evil manner, if you don't respond in kind, they will see a difference. And this burning coals on their head, 
That's conviction. Yeah. And they will receive conviction. So what are you supposed to do with that? If we go to John 3.36, it, it gives us a great idea. says in verse 36 of John 3, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. This goes to the wrath that was talked about in this verse, who is, willing to who is able to judge the living and the dead. Right now, the wrath of God is on that person if he's an unbeliever. The great white throne judgment is not about how you lived life. It's about whether you believed or did not believe. <coughs> our life should point towards our belief in the Lord. It shouldn't be like that in the past. I'll give you an example. My dad. My dad claimed that he prayed a prayer when he was younger. He, his life showed nothing of it. All throughout my life, he didn't go to church. He would send me, he would make sure I made it to church because I said I would go. And so I had to follow on a commitment, but it wasn't about the Lord. <clears throat> Even when he started to get to the end of his life, when I would take my computer to their house and watch the Brian uh, uh, services, he would walk out of the room. He might step in the doorway, not knowing I was watching it, then he'd walk out. He ran from God. But every time I talked to him, he said, I had my talk with Jesus. His life didn't show it. He would drink, curse, and do anything. When he died about six years ago, you could have heard me wailing outside of my house, and probably the walls were shaking. Because I have no, no assurance that he is in heaven right now. What about you? What legacy are you giving? Does your life say, this man is a believer? Or will people have doubts? Verse 6. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. We were all dead before we believed. Colossians 2.13 states that, that we were once dead and he made us alive. So what should we do for those people that are mocking us? That is a call to action for us to tell them and speak the gospel, not only to unbelievers, but believers. If we have believers that are mocking us, we should restate the gospel to them. Because in 2 Peter, just one book over, chapter 3 and verse 9, the Lord is not slow 
to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And on top of that, with Paul talking in Romans 10, 14, he says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? This is your call to talk to that person. When they mock you, when they make fun of you, why aren't you doing this? That's a perfect opportunity to open up and tell them why. Because Jesus Christ saved my soul. And I want to live for him. Because without him, I'm going to hell. So to unbelievers, for them, we, we tell the gospel and preach the gospel so that with God's grace and the Holy Spirit, they may become alive in Christ. For believers, it's to help educate them and maybe help con convict them that they should also live out the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How we do this we'll start getting into it in the next few verses with the application Peter talks about being self-control and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers love for one another showing hospitality to one another and using your gifts so in verse 7 the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers at the time that Peter wrote this, all things were prepared, all things were ready for the, for the Lord to come back. So we need to be about it now. For all Christians, if you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything has been done in your life for the end, whether you die or the Lord comes back. So now is the time to do this. And how should we do this? By being sober-minded and self-controlled. Self-controlled through preparation. We talked about that before, about starting each day of praying to the Lord and asking the Lord to help you, acknowledging our weaknesses and asking the Holy Spirit to give you the victory in those weaknesses. That's being sober-minded to what's going to happen through the day and knowing that you will suffer. And we need to ask to identify how to serve others and then prepare for our day. Lord, I'm, I'm going to be around this group of people and they always say these kind of jokes. Please let me respond appropriately. Or give me a way out where I can be in another location. And then throughout the day, as temptations come or anxieties come, pray. Throw up that prayer and say, Lord, help me on this. I'm starting to get tempted in this area. 
I'm starting to feel worry and anxiety in this area. Give me the grace and calmness to do what you want me to do. Matthew Henry said, take care that you be continually in, in a calm, sober disposition, fit for prayer, that you be frequent in prayers, lest this end come upon you unawares. And those who would pray to purpose must watch unto prayer. They must watch over their own spirits, watch all fit opportunities, and do their duty in the best manner they can. In verse 9, Peter says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has... Re Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Verse 8 and 9. Start off, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let's go together on that. And Peter heard this from Jesus in John 13, 34. And this is for all of us. In verse 34 of John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And Paul even emphasizes even more in Romans 12.10. In which he says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. We go to the men's, uh, men and boys retreat, and we have competition, physical competition. What about in this church, if we have a competition amongst us men of trying to outdo one another? in honor honoring each other the father honors the son and the son honors the father no you take the credit no you take the credit what about us men looking at doing that amongst ourselves I think he would get glory out of that and love covers a multitude of sins God's love and, and Jesus' sacrifice covered all of our sins. How, how and why should we bring up sins of those who have already been forgiven? Why should we focus on that? If we love others, they are also more willing to forgive us when we sin. Love is an action. And attitude matters. If it is bad attitude, it is not loving. All of us parents know when we've told somebody to take out the trash or do something, if they grumble while they're doing it, they're not doing it in a loving way. And are they truly minding us? What about us? What if your wife asks you to do something 
Do you do that with a kind heart or do you uh, do it with a grumbling attitude? What if the Lord asks you to do something? <clears throat> do you do it with a, with a loving attitude or with a grumbling attitude? Yeah, I gave my money. Just something. What, what, what can we do? Invite a brother to go out to eat after church, maybe even to your house. That's showing hospitality without grumbling. Make Christian friends and support them when they suffer. Going back to the invitation, my wife, Natanya, is great about looking for people to invite. She identifies, if she sees somebody new, especially when she's a greeter, she'll say, hey, go ask them to eat. Let's, let's take them to lunch. Bring them to our house for lunch. She's all about hospitality. I need to be more like that. I need to be open and looking for those that are in need and that are lonely. And then we develop friendships. We need to make friends and support them when they suffer and also make friends close enough who, if they need re loving rebuke, that we, rebu that we rebuke them. And if we sin, they can come up and rebuke us and say, Jeff, you were unkind at that time. You need to uh, ask forgiveness from God and from that person. And then we need to take that as advice from God. And finally, in verses 10 and 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God in varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All believers have received a gift from God. First, the gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift. We would not be believers if, if it was not a gift. And then, with salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us and living with us, tabernacling with us. And we get to live with God every single day. Thing is, are we listening to him? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, Paul talks about gifts, services, and activities. And it's given for the common good, for the good of the church, for the good of the people. And it is apportioned as, he's, as he wills. So don't get caught up on what is my gift? What, what gift has God given me? Just get out there and serve. Start working for God. Start doing it now, and he will show you your gift. And I looked through that, and actually doing nothing is not a gift. <laughs> so get out there and start doing something. What can I do? You can serve in different ministries. There's Awana, child care, greeter, teacher, usher, choir, 
driving someone in need to church, identifying people in need and helping them out, such as driving them to an, a doctor's appointment, visiting people in the hospital. Those are some things that we can do. Filling the need of the church. Reaching out to someone and inviting them to church. We need to grow as a disciple. And as we grow as a disciple, we need to make disciples who make disciples. And as Pastor Mike said last Sunday night, this might not be a, an exact quote, but we need to be about what we need to be about and do it. And we need to do it for God's glory. To do this, we must become more like Christ in our thinking, being, doing, and proclaiming. And the more like him we become, the more we glorify God. So going through this whole pericope, I think we have identified that I should have a mindset that I'm dead to sin and strive to live a life that glorifies God. In this, I may get ridiculed, but I should use that to reach out to those people and find a way to share the gospel because they will be judged. As the day gets closer to either my death or the Lord's return, I should keep praying and live a life that will not hinder my prayers. Love the brethren by showing hospitality. Serve others by using the gifts the Lord has graciously given me. And then grow in more and more as a disciple to be more like Christ in my thinking, being, doing, and proclaiming. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you for allowing us to be here today. I thank you for this word that you've given. And I thank you for pricking my heart with it. And I ask you, Father, please let us, as we go today, to go out and live the life that is glorifying to you in all that we do. In Jesus' holy, precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yesterday I got a text message from a church member. And he said, Pastor, I want...